0: Side Hustle Show 233 How to 10x your business in under two years. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because you're the CEO of your own life. Now, one of the most uh, common pain points I heard in this year's listener survey was I'm trying to grow my business, I'm trying to make more money, I'm trying to get more clients. And the answer to that pain point, like it or not, is sales. So, not only are you the CEO of your own life, but as an entrepreneur, you're also the VP of sales. your business. At least in the early days, nobody else is going to move this thing forward. Nobody else is going to care as much as you and nobody else is going to make the deals. So I wanted to do a good old-fashioned sales episode. And to help me out on this topic, I invited Jim Brown on the show. He's a former professional wrestler. He's a Marine Corps vet. He's a sales coach. And most recently, he's the founder and host of the Sales Tuners podcast at salestuners.com. If this is something you struggle with, highly recommend checking out Jim's show over there. So stick around to hear Jim's straightforward forward strategy on how to 10x your sales, his tips on how to find and connect with real potential customers, and how to make cold calling or cold emailing a little less cold, a little warmer. So notes, links, and a free PDF summary or highlight reel from this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash jim. That one wasn't taken, so we're going to run with it. Before we dive in, let me take a moment to thank today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. Who's got the freshest books in town? It's not Amazon. It's not Barnes & Noble, but it could be you when you check out FreshBooks. And if that one got an eye roll, that's how I know you're paying attention. FreshBooks is the affordable small business accounting software for side hustlers and freelancers with invoicing and time tracking built right in. When you apply Jim's sales strategies and it's time to get paid, think FreshBooks. And here's the deal. As a side hustle show listener, you can get started with your 30-day free trial. trial today at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. I'll be back to tell you a little bit more about FreshBooks plus my top takeaways from this chat with Jim after the interview. Ready? Let's do it.
1: No, I, I think you started off very well, right? We all are the VP of sales. And what I tell everyone in life is you are a salesperson. I don't even actually care if you truly call yourself a salesperson, but you are. You're selling something to someone at all times, right? Whether it be ideas or where you're going to go to dinner with your wife, right? You're selling something to someone. So from a true sales perspective, if you're doing the side hustle, there is a revenue goal you have in mind. At least I I hope there is, right? So one of the very first things I want to do is understand that number and then break down all the steps it's going to take me to get there. Because the fact is that number can be daunting. Let's say it's $100,000. Well, how do you go from where you are today? Zero to $100,000, especially in a services business. Like I said, the number can be daunting. Yeah. So the very first thing I want to do is make sure to set that goal.
0: All right. So I've got that goal. in And it could be a near-term goal and a long-term. Maybe the long-term goal is that hundred grand, but maybe the near-term goal is I want to cover my car payment or something like that.
1: Sure. So let's start breaking it down after that, right? I'm going to, I'll keep using that number hundred thousand just because it's easy for math purposes, right? So let's look at what your average contract value is, right? And so if you don't, if you're not thinking in those terms, that's literally just the average of what you sell. So I'm going to use the number of 5,000. So you've sold a $5,000 product or service or, you know, retainer of some sorts. So let's just do simple math. How many $5,000 contracts do we need to reach that hundred thousand dollars? 20 right? Pretty simple. Okay. So we still can't go from zero to 20. And honestly, we can't control the outcomes. The only thing that we can control is our input, our behaviors, our daily behaviors. So in order to get 20 contracts, Nick, how many proposals do we have to put out? So this is all about your conversion right now. Okay. Let's assume on average, you're going to convert 50%. So that means over the course of the year, I'm going to have to put out 40 proposals at a 50% conversion rate to get my 20 contracts of $5,000 to hit my $100,000, right? Okay. Okay. How do I get to the proposals? How many discovery meetings do I have to have? How many conversations with real humans, right, with real business owners am I going to have to have in order to get those 40 proposals out? So for today's, you know, simple explanation, I'm going to say at one out of every 3 discovery meetings, we're going to get to a proposal. So now, we're going to need 120 discovery meetings over the course of the year. So now here's where things may start to get really hard. If we need 120 discovery meetings, how many prospects or leads, if you will, are we going to need to talk to or or reach out to over the course of a year? I'm going to do really bad here and say it's going to take us 10 prospects to get one discovery meeting. So that's a 10% conversion rate. Okay. If that's the case, I now need to reach out to 1200 people over the course of a year. Okay.
0: We started We started at 20 customers. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> but now we're getting big.
1: Yeah. And so that 1200 number seems pretty daunting, right? If I tell you, Nick, you got to go make 1200 cold calls or, you know, do 1200 emails, you're probably gonna tell me I'm nuts, right? Yeah. Right. So let's make this simple again. Now we're at 1200. It does seem daunting. I totally get it, but it's a, rea- it's a real number. So now let's back out from that. We've got 12 months of the year, right? I'm assuming that you're going to work every month. Maybe not. We've got 12 months. So that means now we have to do 100 per month, right? Right. Okay. Still decently big number, but we've got four weeks on average in that month. 100 divided by four is 25. Well, guess what? We also have five days in each of those weeks. So now it's down to five. So daily, every single day, could you reach out to five people either by phone or by email?
0: And that sounds much more doable, much
1: more doable. And now if, if all, if all these numbers hold true that we talked about, right, I'm not going to go back through them all. I'm happy to, if you want to, but if all those numbers start to hold true now, we should close $25,000 contracts and make hundred thousand dollars. But here's where the fun begins. Now, if we actually start testing and tracking all of our methods, and let's say we improve some of those inputs, let's say we improve all of those inputs. Now we can start to really see how we can get going with this.
0: Yeah. 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 You could bump your conversion rate. If you bump your any one of those percentages,
1: just a little bit can
0: make a big, big impact.
1: Or even your average contract value. Let's say it becomes $10,000, right?
0: Yeah. All right. So no, I really like that. And I think this is probably the definition of a slight edge habit of, you know, making that daily commitment to doing that outreach, to doing that prospecting. What would you say if people were like, well, where am I going to come up with a list? If I had a list of 1200 leads, this would be, this would be a piece of cake.
1: Yeah. And that is the hard thing, right? And what I want to make sure everybody understands is I literally do this for myself, not only my clients, but for myself on a daily basis, right? Just this week, I called 30 CEOs, right? And, and I'm talking about calls, literal cold calls. They've never heard from me before in their life. And of those 30 calls, I talked to five human beings, three of them I set appointments with. One of them, I got a referral to the person who I actually should have a conversation with. And then what continues to blow my mind, seven other CEOs have returned my voicemail since I left that for them. So this actually works if you just try it. But to your question, Nick, how do you find these people?
0: So let's, let's take a time out and talk about cold calling for a second, because even as someone who's done cold calling door to door in the past, like that sounds really intimidating to me now that I'm 15 years removed from it. <laughs> sure. How do you get over, I don't know, in a, in a very text and email heavy world, the thought of picking up the phone and calling a stranger is, it's become scary. It's become a lost art, I guess.
1: It really has. And what I love that you just said is it's become a lost art. And, and why, why I'm saying that is because typically the CEOs or, or the people that we're calling on these days are people who grew up with the phone. So they are tired of being bombarded with these spammy emails that are salespeople telling them that they can solve every every problem on the face of the earth, and they're just getting dripped on every single day, week, et cetera. I, I talk to these guys, right, on a daily basis, and you would okay. not believe how many emails they get. That The person knows nothing about them. So again, they grew up with the phone. They want to talk to a human being. So they're actually willing to pick up the phone. I know a lot of people say, you know, I don't check my voicemails. It's all BS, Nick. It really is. I mean, that's why I gave you the numbers earlier. So how do you get over the fear? Well, one is pick up the phone. That's going to help you get over the fear, but have a plan right? That's where I I start with everybody that I work with is just literally have a plan. So the reason why a lot of people struggle with, with cold calls is they don't know what to say. They also think they have to sell somebody on the phone call. But if I, but I would ask you the question, Nick, how many people have you called on and immediately sold them something right there on the phone at that time?
0: Right. That's never the objective.
1: It's never the objective, but too many people think that it is right. So my objective on a cold call is literally just to get a meeting. I want to put time on your calendar to be able to have a meeting. So having a plan is the very first thing that I want to teach people. Once we have a plan, now we can back into a script and, and and I hate even using that word it's it's more just a framework. yeah, here's the types of things you're going to say in order to accomplish your goal. But here's where it gets real valuable. you can't sound like a salesperson. you can't call and immediately say, Nick, Hey, this is Jim Brown. And I'm going to solve all the world's problems today. If you just listen to me for 10 seconds, I'm going to save you $99. It just doesn't work like that. Right? Yeah. Click. Click immediately. Right. So if you're up for it, I'll do a little bit of a cold call right here. You want, you want to do that? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to role play and we have not practiced this. I have not told you what I'm going to say, but let's pretend that you actually pick up your phone and I'll do a a quick cold call with you. All right. This is Nick. Nick. Hey, Jim Brown with sales tuners. Name ring a bell.
0: Um, I, I feel like I've heard of you somewhere.
1: Oh yeah. Where? Pretty common name. Exactly. So as soon as you say that though, now we're off into a conversation, cold calls over. I get to actually talk to a human, but let's say you say no, right?
0: Okay. Yeah. I never heard of you. Who's this?
1: No, no reason you should. Nick, this is a sales call. Probably easiest one you're going to get all day. I'm going to take 30 seconds of your time. And then you tell me if we should keep talking fair. Okay. Let's do it. Nick, I call on a lot of CEOs. A lot of them tell me that they have a lot of great success when their salespeople get in front of other people. The problem is they're not very good at prospecting and getting in front of enough people. I can't imagine that's the case with you.
0: Mm, continue.
1: What do you mean? Right. But literally, I might say something like that. What do you mean? Because as soon as you start to do that, I'm going to break out of my, my script or my framework and start having a conversation.
0: Right. Cause like no, yeah, no CEO is like, well, they don't want less. sales. they, they feel like they don't go there are sales. People could always be doing better. Right. And so it's like, well, you know, I'm curious enough to keep going, you know?
1: That's exactly right. But a lot of people think Nick that I've got to get you to say yes to everything immediately, it's a race to yes. And that's not the case. Yeah. Right. I should have been a tougher customer for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's totally fine. But, but literally, I mean, I, I, and I do this with my clients. I, I walk them through this role play and I'm like, look, if you start to understand the actual pains that your typical customer has, you can talk to them as a real human being and say, look, I, I know you, these are the types of things that I solve. Right. And again, all we're doing at that point is moving or trying to move to, to an actual meeting.
0: Okay. So that's kind of the cold calling stuff. Have a plan in place, like know what you're going to say, or at least know the types of things you're going to say, like that framework. Yeah. Or like, I don't know if I like the word script either, but like, yeah. if that makes you more confident, absolutely have some notes written on a piece of paper. And that, like, absolutely helped me cold calling and, of course, tweaked it depending on the situation and, you know, what you would say. It was like, hey, this is Nick I'm with College Works. So we're going to be painting a ton of houses in your neighborhood over the summer. Would love to stop by this weekend, give you a free estimate.
1: Yep. And that works definitely in a door to door space. Right. But when you're on the phone, what I like to have is three pain points that I anticipate the person has. Right. Okay. That's the idea. I, but I don't want to have to get through all of them. I want one of them to turn into a conversation. Right. Right. But I'm taking the opposite approach. I'm not saying, hey, I I know you have this because the buyer can tell me I'm wrong immediately and that's not what I want. So I'm gonna take the negative aspect, right? And so if you remember when we did our little little role play a few minutes ago, I said, hey, a lot of the people that I talk to, they say they have this problem. Now I can't imagine you have that problem.
0: Okay, (laughs) you're like trying to position them as like, well, you're probably better than most of the people I talk to. That's very subtle, okay.
1: I wanna go negative, right? So here's the thing, Nick. People, and this is, this gets into psychology and we could spend all day on this, but people don't buy intellectually. They buy emotionally and rationalize it after the fact, right? Yeah. So what do I mean by that? I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the features and benefits and ROI and and all that to get you to move right now, unless it's just absolutely amazing, you might. But the reality is if you want me to change what I'm currently doing, you have to get me emotionally involved, emotionally charged. What are the things that I'm frustrated with? What are the things that scare me? What are the things that terrify me? If you can start having that conversation with me, now you can have the opportunity to move me from what I'm currently doing. And then again, later, I'm going to come back and I'm going to rationalize it to myself, but you sold me because I got emotional. I got involved in the process.
0: Okay. What comes next?
1: One of the, the first questions you started to ask for is how do we get that list? Who do we know who to call on? Right? Yeah. 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 What I want to do is I want to look at three things. Who are my acceptable clients or, or prospects? Who are my typical clients and who are my ideal clients, right? And this is just basic demographics and, and common patterns of who I've sold to, right? So I love the idea of niching down and I want you to niche down until it hurts. And I've, I've listened to your show for well over a year now. I've, I've heard many people say that, but niche down until it hurts seriously, because at that point, you know, the demographics of who you're calling on and you've seen the commonalities in their pain, challenges, frustrations, and you can align your solutions to those, right? So once you do those, once you have some basic demographics, and and these could be things like company size, right? I'm assuming you've picked a vertical, but they could be company size. They could be title of the person that you're reaching out to. They could be revenue size, not just company size of employees, but revenue size. Lots of different things. you could. Maybe it's geographical. Maybe it's by state, right? So I want all the dog groomers in Southern California who are over $1 million in revenue, right? getting to that level. Now I literally can go get a list and I can do it for free on, on LinkedIn and just find that I could go to something like zoom info and pay for data there. Lots of different places I could get that data, but now I actually have a list of people I can call on.
0: Okay. That helps. And when we talk to John Logar might've been a couple of years ago at this point. He's one of the best salespeople i ever talked to. And he had a similar criteria. It's like, well, I'm looking for clients that are, or I'm looking for companies that are between, you know, this million dollars in revenue and this number. And they have this number of employees and they're on the Inc. 5,000 list. So it's like, you know that they're growing and they're investing in growth. And so he had all this criteria. So I think that is is helpful to do. Like, I like this dog groomer. Example. I'm looking for this criteria. And so that gives you, a concrete number versus like I do copywriting well for who or you (laughs) know industry or who do you who do you serve who do you help okay
1: exactly well but even that right so copywriting copywriting is great and it could serve everybody but you don't need to serve everybody. And you can do all the in. So when someone brings you an inbound lead or inbound deal, that's great. You can service anybody, but when you're doing outbound, that's when you just want to get very, very specific about who you're targeting. And that's why I laid out that idea of who are my acceptable clients? Who will I take? Right. And these may be people that are going to pay me a little bit less than what my average deal would, Okay. but, but maybe they go faster. Maybe they actually close faster. Maybe the work's easier then I've got my typical client. And in our scenario today, these are the people that are going to pay me $5,000 to do whatever it is that I do. They're going to hit those demographic criteria. And then I've got ideal clients. Now the ideal clients, they're like the 10%. They're the ones that are doing over, you know, $10 million in revenue. And I know that I can connect to the CEO. Maybe it's because it's a named account. It's someone who I actually want to work with. Maybe I'm going to reach out to them on social and there's just all kinds of different things there. But once you start to bucket them and have those demographics, that's when you start to get really, really, you can find those patterns.
0: Okay. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need, all in one place. Think of it like your behind the scenes partner for things like dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor brands. How are you finding the contact information for these folks?
1: So LinkedIn actually does a really good job of that, but here's the thing. The CEOs that I called, that's how, that's just how I got the name. So I knew the companies, I found the CEOs on, on LinkedIn, and then literally I took their phone number off their website. So I'm calling sometimes through a phone tree which, and phone trees are amazing. Most companies these days have a phone tree and you can dial by name directory and get right to the CEO sometimes. Really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Literally. I just did it. Um, but sometimes you're going to get their assistant. When I get their assistant, you of act like you own the place, right? So if I'm calling on you and let's say, you know, you, you had your assistant answer the phone and her name's Katie I'd be like, Hey, Katie, it's Jim Brown. Hey, I'm trying to reach Nick. Is he still around this afternoon?
0: Yeah. And they're like, well, this person must know him.
1: Absolutely. Right. And and more often than not, they're going to pass me through. And, and again, I, I'm saying this stuff from experience because I do it. I literally made these cold calls last week. So it, it happens and it works. So I, I'm taking the phone number right off the website. As far as an email address goes, there are so many ways to get email addresses and verify them. Two of the tools that I use, one of them is called Uh, my goodness. I knew I was going to lose it as soon as I said it.
0: No problem. Well, I I mean, you just look up like, you know, Google email verification. I've used a handful of them. I just type sometimes guesses into uh, Gmail with reportive in the sidebar. And it like, if it it spins for a minute and if it pops up a LinkedIn profile, I'm like, bingo, I got one.
1: Yep. So like I said, I'll, I'll send you the one that I use specifically, but it's a plugin for LinkedIn that it will actually show you. It'll guess what it thinks that person's email address is. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Which is great because it literally is right there. Um, and then I use another tool called verify dash email. And what that does is you plug the email address in there and it tells you whether or not it is a real email address. It tries to hit the MX records and tells you whether or not it's real. Okay. I think that's the one I've used online. There you go. Okay. So uh, it's, it, there we go. It's, it's Hunter. Hunter.io. I, I knew it was in my head. So Hunter.io you can just go in there and type in a URL and it will give it to you or it's a plugin for LinkedIn. And so when you're on the person's profile, it will guess their email address for you. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah,
0: for a lot of side hustlers, I think email um, potentially makes more sense than than calling. Let's say you're going to do like a lunchtime power hour out in your car or something, or you're going to do you know, somebody in a different time zone on your way to work or something. Sure. But email is acceptable too. What would you, instead of that, that cold calling script, would it be something similar on email or how would you phrase that, that first
1: outreach message? So it's actually going to be very similar to the cold call script idea. And and here's what I mean by that. So first off, let's look at the subject line. Nick, you've posted a lot of stuff on your website about the subject lines to get the most opens for your, your email list. It's the same thing with the personal outreach. If your subject line looks like it was written by a marketing department, it's probably going to get deleted, right? And the whole goal of a subject line is to get someone to open it. After you get them to open it, then they can read the content. But the first thing is get them to open it. I've seen a lot of success with things like phrases that are three words or less. I've seen a lot of success with not capitalizing the first word that I put in, in the email subject line. I've seen a lot of success with asking a question in the subject line. And I've seen a lot of success with putting the person's name in the subject line that I'm reaching out to. Right. Okay. But again, the whole idea with that is just to get them to open it. Now, once they open it, don't make it about you. No one cares about you. They don't even know you. So why would they care about you? They've never heard of your company. These are the types of, what are the pains that you typically solve for that person? and put it right there in the email and make it short and sweet. I recommend no more than three sentences for an outreach email. And once you do that, literally just say, hey, I work with people who have this problem. I don't know if that's you. If it is, they might hit reply. If not, it's fine. You can reach out to them again. Maybe you can call them now. Maybe you can hit them on social. Maybe you can send them a note on LinkedIn, right? There's multiple ways to get in front of a person.
0: Okay, I work with people who have this problem. Is that you or does that describe you? Okay, because I'm trying to think of like yeah, you know, three sentences isn't a lot to convey a lot of information. I think the natural tendency is gonna to be to be like, well, here are my credentials. Here's you know some other people that I've helped in the past. Here's what I can do for you. And, and all of a sudden it's like, well, now it's five paragraphs and uh, you lost me.
1: That's right. And, and people don't have time for that, right? So one of the, another like kind of rule of thumb that I like to tell people if, you know, three sentences is my first one, but think about looking at an email on your phone. You should not have to swipe at all to read the entire email. Most email is consumed these days on the phone. And so if I have to swipe, you've lost me. I don't have time for that. But if you show in that first couple, like I said, two, three sentences that you know me, you know, my industry, you know, my company, and you can solve a pain that, that, I, that you think I have now the the chances of me replying have infinitely skyrocketed.
0: Okay. Well, let me give you the example of a recent guest who was a, was a copywriter, but specialized in crowdfunding campaigns. And she had built a pretty substantial business on, on Fiverr, but because she'd kind of put up her profile and people could go and order from her. But I imagine it would be more difficult to do this proactive outreach because it's like, you never know when somebody's going to launch a crowdfunding campaign until they do. And at that point, well, they already hired a writer or it's like, it's too late. So how would you recommend she, if she wanted to start doing the proactive approach, how would she go about it?
1: Well, a couple of things, you're making a big assumption there that they have already hired a writer, right? Maybe they've launched that crowdfunding campaign without a writer. And now she knows the hurdles that they're going to go through. So I would start monitoring the crowdfunding sites and whenever I see one go live that I can tell has not been professionally written. I'm literally just going to reach out to that person at this point and say, Hey, here's some of the hurdles you're probably, you're, you're about to face. If you face them, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Okay. Right. And and that's reality, right? So she said, Hey, I know the crowdfunding space. It looks like yours wasn't professionally written. Here are some of the hurdles that I've seen from other people who've done exactly what you're about to do when you face them let's talk. Okay. So now you have the, you've, you've positioned yourself as the expert. You've done everything you need to do. And if those things come true, you don't think they're going to reach out to you. They're like, how did you know that stuff about my business?
0: <laughs> like, well, it became public when you posted uh, <laughs> oh, a <sure>. poorly written <laughs> campaign. Okay. Anything else like to do to hit somebody before they get to that stage?
1: Well, look, and this is where sales is sometimes just a numbers game, right? So for her specifically, you know, I'd have to probably get a little bit more context, but in general, you, you never know if you're going to hit somebody at the exact right time. And that's why, what are the common pains that you solve? And it's always more than one, right? So the first email should be one problem. The second email outreach should be a second problem. The third email outreach should be a third problem, right? And every single one of those has to look like it's the first time you've ever reached out because you cannot assume they read your previous email.
0: Okay. So is this you, is this you replying to the same thread or is this you start a new conversation?
1: I like to test. I like to do a lot of different testing in that <laughs> okay. regards. So sometimes I do reply to the same one. Other times it's a brand new email with a brand new subject line. Okay. So, one of the last uh, clients I was working with, they sold digital you know display advertising. One of the biggest challenges that's coming on in the space right now is everybody moving to this programmatic buying platform. Well, programmatic's good at scale, but even in programmatic, there's a lot of waste. So our number one performing subject line in emails was literally the word programmatic," and it was a lowercase p in programmatic. Hmm. So when you see that, just in your inbox, you're like, program. Like, what is this? I have to open it.
0: It's just like some like it was just having to be a buzzword in that space.
1: Yeah. Or you know that space, right? But also it being a lowercase letter P to start it, it looks like it came from a human being, right? Instead of everything being initial capped and nice and neat and like 20 words long.
0: Yeah. I found the same thing for most of my broadcast emails trying to also capitalize the first letter most of the time, but
1: everything else
0: just, cause that's more, I don't know, more natural, I guess.
1: Sure. It is, but like it, it pains me,
0: like, <laughs> like I want it to be a time.
1: <laughs> I totally get it. You, you don't want it to look like something like that, but it works. Another one that works really well. Now I know we're kind of bouncing around here now, but like, well, let me say this first. I hate it when people do the RE trick, they make it look like it's a response. Don't yeah. do that. It, it It will hurt your reputation. However, something that does work well is forward. So copy and paste an email that looks like it's been sent to you that maybe contains links to something says, Hey, Nick, you should check this out. And then subject line forward, whatever the, your new subject line is. And then you type a few notes above that. And now all of a sudden it's like, Hey, someone sent this to me. I'm sharing it with you. Cause I thought it was really cool. Okay. That works. Okay.
0: No, I do. I do like that. I, I use the RE trick one time on a broadcast and it, it kind of backfired. So yeah, I'll, I'll second that. Don't, don't do that. But I do like the forward thing. I probably wouldn't do it on a broadcast message, but you know, for this type of one-on-one outreach, for sure, mm-hmm. I was thinking of you or I'll do that. Or I used to do that with uh, help a helper reporter emails like, Hey, did you see this inquiry? Here's a press opportunity. I think you might be a fit for, I think that's kind of a cool way to do it. Absolutely. Okay, so what's what's coming next? So kind of, we started with, you know, getting getting honest about your numbers and then backing into what that looks like in terms of daily commitment, in terms of outreach. Let's say you get a positive response to your your email, to your phone call. What, what happens next? Like, oh my gosh, I got a live one here. What do I do?
1: Yeah, so now you're moving into the discovery stage and you gotta have a conversation with them, right? So it's easy at that point to just come in and immediately say, hey, here's all the amazing things that I can do for you. But what I want to do is I want to take a step back and I'm going to ask him a question and Nick, you're probably going to think I'm crazy on this, but I'm going to set an upfront contract with him. And I'm going to simply say, Hey, Nick, really appreciate you taking your time for this call today. I've got a full agenda here, or, you know, I've got 10 questions, whatever it is. I've got some questions I want to ask you, but before I do that, Nick, I know you didn't just have a half an hour on your calendar that said meet with salesperson. So what were you hoping to get out of today's conversation? Okay. Right now you're going to actually hear from them. Well, look, your email intrigued me, your phone call intrigued me. We actually do have some issues with XYZ service that you reached out upon. So I, I want to better understand what it is that you do in that space. Okay. Great. Awesome. We'll definitely get to that. So here are some of the questions that I have for you. And now you this is where you want to have a standard questionnaire that you start to go through. The idea is you want to find the pains that you solve. And see if they have them. So you're testing the water on a lot of different things here, again, lined up with the services that whatever it is that you offer, whether it be copywriting or whether it be videography or graphic illustration, any of those types of things.
0: Okay. So that's a half hour meeting. Is that when you're trying to get a deal signed? I mean, especially if a $5,000 deal like that could be a lot to ask for at the end of half an hour.
1: Absolutely. Could be, and it may take you a couple of meetings to do that. Right. But here, here's one of the things that I want to start to do. I got to understand their pain. I want to also understand how they get that problem solved today. So if you you tell me, Hey, let's go back to this copywriting example that you used. So I'm a copywriter. I'm reaching you out for that. Hey, so Nick, it sounds like you currently do some copywriting. How do you get this done today? I well, I do it all myself. Exactly. So you do it all yourself. Well, how much time does that take you, Nick, right? I'm going to start looking for that. I'm going to start to find where, where that pain is for you, right? Maybe you outsource it. And maybe if you've outsourced it, you've been burnt, or maybe you outsource it and you just get a whole bunch of errors coming back, or you outsource it only to find out that they end up outsourcing it to someone else. And it's just a big mess, right? I want to find what that pain is for you. Maybe I find out that it's, you actually have no problem with your current process, but you want to do more. And the current provider that you have or your current internal capabilities, your your bandwidth is limited. So you want to do 10 times the amount of content that you have, right? Once I start to understand that, now I see where you're going. But now I can start to ask, hey, how much do you, you know, when you you solve this problem now, what do you typically pay? So now I don't have to ask about budget. I'm asking them what they're used to paying for this solution.
0: And if somebody, if you're approaching somebody whose previous experience has been doing it themselves and it comes down to that question of, well, how much is that costing you? Or how much do you pay? What are you probing for? Or what do you expect to get, get back? Well, I've been doing it all myself.
1: Yep. And, and I'm assuming, you know, you, you pay yourself a salary. If we divide that salary by 2000 hours, which is the, what the typical person works in a, in a year, what does that equate to right now? You don't have to tell me, but is it $35 or is it $65 an hour, right? It doesn't matter what they say there right? They could say, well, okay, maybe it's $50 an hour, but Nick, I'm not paying you $50 an hour to do this, right? To which you could say, look, I I never asked for that. I just want to understand what you're currently investing in it. And it sounds like if you're doing it yourself, you're investing $50 an hour. Now, how many can you get done personally in one hour? Well, I can get two done. Okay. So now essentially you're, you're used to paying $25 an article. Tell you what mine's only $20 an article. Sure. Okay. Right. Which could be a significant raise from what you would typically charge, which could be a good thing. And that's why I, before I put out my hourly rate or I put out, you know, my fees, I want to understand what they're comfortable paying because oftentimes it could be more than what I'm, what I was going to charge.
0: Right, right, right. If you can get them to name a number first or, you know, figure out really how expensive uh, a problem is this. And that's a phrase that I think Jonathan Stark used on the show, find an expensive problem to go and solve. I like that.
1: That's the key. If you can find the value, what it's, what it's actually worth instead of what you charge for it, my goodness, this is where things get crazy. And, and you know, I, I'd be happy to share numbers, but, but literally I've gone into places thinking, okay, this is going to be a, you know, three, $5,000 a month retainer to do sales coaching. And, you know, I get to the end of it and they're like, well, look, if you could actually do the things that you say you could do, this would be worth a couple of million dollars a year to us. So when I hear that, it's like, okay, if I tell you it's only going to be $60,000 a year to solve a $2 million problem, huh, that might not be enough. And now I can just say a bigger number and throw it out there. Do
0: you think it's almost, they're going to view it as, well, they can't, you can't possibly do it for that cheap or what?
1: <laughs> so I'll use a real example. Uh, this came from one of my clients that I coached today. They just lost a deal to a an, another firm but the ceo of the company they were selling to was actually a friend of the guy of my client who lost the deal so they did a full postmortem with my client afterwards to tell him why they lost the deal my client went in and said it was going to be $160,000 to solve the problem that the client wanted the winning company was 1.7 million
0: jeez so they're like You clearly, you must not have understood the scope of our, our issue.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Because why, why were you charging 10 X less?
1: You're not even in the same league as what are, and and that's, that's reality. Right. And so you have to truly understand the value of the problem you're solving, not just what your hourly rate is. Wow.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think about like past sales conversations where it's like, and even, even freelancer bids, like I'll kind of take, take out the outliers high and low and say, well, clearly they didn't understand the scope of the problem or clearly they, you know, were way overshooting this. And that's really interesting to hear. It's like, yeah, there's such thing as you don't want to be the low bid by too much. Otherwise it's like, well, that's kind of a red flag.
1: Absolutely. And there's the flip side of that too. If your client or your prospect, I guess, cause they're not a client yet. If the prospect is only worried about price, gosh, you really don't want that client, right? right. They're just going to be a pain in your, you know what the whole time.
0: Right. And if you've kind of articulated your ability to solve this problem and how expensive that problem is, the price becomes, they're still going to have to pay it, but it becomes less relevant versus you've reminded me of how much this hurts and how expensive it is. Like, can you just make it go away?
1: Yeah. I'll give you another real example. So a few years ago I was selling SEO services to, to the enterprise. Right. And there's a small company called Claire's, uh, you know, the the, Little girls boutique that sells jewelry and whatnot, and oh yeah, <laughs> I was up there at their headquarters in Chicago, and they said, "Jim, look, we've we've had a couple of meetings with you now. We have to understand what this is going to cost." And I said, "You haven't given me enough information for me to give you the quote to tell you how much it's going to cost." They're like, we hear you, that's great, but you got to give us a ballpark. I said, "Okay, here's your ballpark. On average, it costs a hundred thousand dollars per category on your site that we optimize for." And so they, you know, just, you could see them in in their heads real quick. They said, well, we have 17 categories, Jim. We don't have $1.7 million to do SEO. I said, guys, I never said you needed $1.7 million. You told me to give you an average, right? Of of what customers spend. I said, okay, so how many categories do you want to work on? And they said, well, our our, our budget was $200,000. So here again, I've now revealed all their numbers without actually sharing all of mine. I said, okay, so you have $200,000, which which 15 categories do you not want to work on? And I said, well, you know, we need to work on at least four or five of these. And I said, okay, well, four or five is going to cost you somewhere between four and $500,000, right? And at the end of the day, it ended up being like a $470,000 contract, but I anchored it high at 1.7 million. And they said, no way. I'm like, well, I'm also not going to year 2 million. So where can we, or your 200,000, I'm sorry. So where are we going to land?
0: Okay. Fair enough. Hey entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So, whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at hertz.com/business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit hertz.com/business rewards to learn more. All right, and then you kind of take it, take it from there, take your process, and then it's on you to deliver the goods.
1: Right, and that's where it comes back down to, to the work schedule at the end of the day. And so I don't, I wanna avoid the peaks and valleys that every consulting or services business gets into. They sell a whole bunch of stuff, now they gotta deliver the work, and then they quit selling, and so now they get that peak and valley. That's what I wanna avoid. So that's why I'm literally talking about doing five calls or five outreaches a day, however you wanna do it. And you can yeah. do that. You can put that in your schedule so that you still have the entire day to do the work that you've sold, but you have that constant pipeline that you're trying to build.
0: And if somebody doesn't pick up the phone, that still counts because you still made you still made the call.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And and okay. and, and I, I, I'm not advocating only reaching out to somebody one time, right? You may have to reach out to somebody a single person seven, eight, nine, ten times before you actually connect with them, and that's okay. So all of those outreaches count.
0: Okay. Okay. So that could your 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 1200 outreaches could... In, maybe maybe it's not a 1200 person prospect list. Maybe it's. 600, or 300. But it's like, okay, I'm going to go back, circle back the next month multiple times to make sure it happens. That was actually Jason Zook on the, the sponsorship episode. It was really, really surprising to hear. Over half his deal, I think he said 70% of his deals didn't come on the first message, which I guess in hindsight, maybe isn't that surprising, but it's like he had the foresight to make sure to follow up. And he's like, everything came on the follow up, you know, the second, third, fourth time doing the outreach. And so I'm and it's probably the same here where it's like, okay, okay. Wh- you know, what's this guy have to say? You know, maybe I got to pay attention to him a little bit
1: well and when you add in that persistence now all of a sudden the person's like okay they're not going away maybe i should at least just entertain them and you know give them you know 15 minutes to to prove themselves yeah. so that persistence does pay off
0: we should probably add too that the this five prospect in your number may be higher and lower depending on the price of your your product and the goal or price of your service but it's like that's probably only going to take you 15 20 minutes like that's not going to be a huge huge time investment every day and it's like, okay, that can totally be your slight edge habit of, you know, just day in, day out. This is just something that I do now. And it's going to keep that pipeline filled.
1: Absolutely. And and so let's double the time that you just said. So maybe it takes 20 to 30 minutes because you have to do the research for those five people as well. Right. But that's it. 30 minutes a day. And now you could be on your way to potentially a hundred thousand dollar side hustle or, or services business. That's Right. Well, Jim, this
0: has been awesome. Again, salestuners.com. I understand you've got a special gift for the listeners.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we did a lot of math today and if you're like me, you can't hear numbers in your earbuds (laughs) and and compute them. So I've got a full ebook and and it's a workbook, right? You're gonna have to do some work to make this happen, but it's free. So it's at salestuners.com slash side hustle. And it's going to walk you through everything that we talked about today from setting your goal, what that needs to actually look like to the daily, weekly and monthly behaviors that you need to do in order to get those predictable outcomes that you want.
0: Perfect. Salestuners.com slash side hustle. Perfect for the freelancers. Perfect for the consultants. Perfect for the productized service providers out there. I think this would be really cool for uh, for you guys as well. Jim from salestuners.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Salestuners.com slash side hustle. And let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for side hustle nation.
1: So this one's fun for me, but you will never get anything in life that you don't ask for. Let me break that down. Let's, I'm going to do it on the consumer side. If you go to Best Buy and you are going to buy a TV that's $900, what is the harm in asking the salesperson if you can pay $600 for it? There's two options. They can say yes and you just save $300. Or worst case scenario, they say no and you are already going to buy it anyway. You will never get anything that you don't ask for. So start asking.
0: You will never get anything you don't ask for. So start asking, Jim. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll catch up with you soon.
1: Sounds good, Nick. Take care.
0: This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. Did that conversation with Jim get you pumped up to have more sales conversations? How about just arming yourself with the three main pain points that you saw? Do you think that will make life a little bit easier? But I tell you what, Jim's stuff works. And when it does, you're going to want an organized and professional way to get paid. And that's where FreshBooks comes in. The award-winning cloud accounting software helps entrepreneurs like us keep our paperwork in check without spending a ton of time. When you take someone from stranger to prospect to client, it's a pretty satisfying feeling when they say those magic words, send me the invoice. And that's when you fire up FreshBooks, drop a professional-looking invoice in under a minute, send it over, and get paid. So If you haven't already, check out the freshly redesigned FreshBooks platform. They've gone through feature by feature to make it more intuitive and easier to use. In addition to invoicing, they've got time tracking and expense management tools built right in, and the handy FreshBooks mobile app works wherever you do. See how the all-new FreshBooks can save you time dealing with your paperwork so you can spend more time making your hustle happen. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle, and enter the side hustle show in the How Did You Hear About a section. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Jim. Number one, know your numbers. It's a really systematic way to reach your goals when he backed in to kind of all the math involved with that. But when you're just starting out, you might not have those kind of statistics, those kind of season-long batting averages, and that's okay. The takeaway for me is tracking those numbers as they accumulate, as you go, so you can make adjustments. And because it's hard to know what specifically is working or not working, or to manage prospects through a pipeline if you're not tracking, if you're not organized in that way. So takeaway number two is uh, to start the conversations. It was really refreshing to hear Jim say, look, you're not under any pressure to close a deal on your first touch. It's the start of a conversation. And I think treating it like that makes it far less intimidating. <laughs> and takeaway number three is to make sales a habit. You heard how smooth Jim was. He's been doing this for years and it's a, a skill like practice makes perfect. So can you Can you commit to five proactive conversations a day? Can you commit to one? I think you can, and I think you're going to start seeing some powerful results from it when you do. So that was know your numbers, start your conversations, and make sales a habit. Be sure to visit sidehustlenation.com slash Jim for links to all the resources mentioned and to download the free PDF highlight reel from this conversation with all of Jim's top sales tips. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show where you'll get a ground floor look into a listener's new side hustle and some live coaching on what they can do to get more sales. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.